Hey guys, so this is like one of the first interviews I've ever done on the podcast. This is a very, very old episode. And now I know never to interview my friends while they're driving their cars. Um, that being said, we did our best to take out all the fuzziness out of this episode, but I didn't want to do it again. I love the energy. I love the conversation we had. I didn't want to try to go recreate that and lose that and lose some of the moments and some of the stories. So I apologize in advance if it sounds kind of weird and fuzzy. This will be the only episode you ever hear that sounds like this because I haven't done anybody else in the car since this episode. But please enjoy this. This is Rob Vitale from Black Train Jack. And thank you guys so much for listening and um, subscribing to this podcast. It means a lot to me. I hope you guys like this. So I got my man Rob on the phone, my man Bob Beats. Yo, Rob, how'd you even get that, uh, how'd you even get that nickname? Bob Beats came from... Uh... And of all people, Anthony Cominelli. Okay. <laughs> and the uh, and the old guys, you know, uh, Bob Eats is short for Bobby Eats Everything. That was Anthony's theory. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah, because you know how the nicknames are with that crew. They, yes. they like to make it pretty brutal. So, yeah, that was, that, that was Anthony's favorite thing. So, yeah, I'm, Bobby Eats Everything. Now that you mentioned that, it's it definitely got a lot to talk to you about, but that's that's a, that's an ongoing theme with the New York people that I've been saying that when I moved there, I never had that tough love, that ball breaking where they find your weakest fucking point and then dig at you all day out of love because the second somebody would fuck with you, you know, they'd have you back for life. But it was, it's a New York kind of like tough love, grow some thick skin type shit. And you just said that you got the yeah. ball breaking nickname from them, but they loved you. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. That's what, that's what it's about. You know, it's, just, uh, they embrace you, but it's, it's a brutal embracing. <laughs> you know, it's like a double-edged sword. Do you think that's... A double-edged sword, completely. Do you think that's just a New York thing, or is it like that probably everywhere? I feel like it's a New York thing. I think it's a New York thing, the viciousness of it, because they kind of look at you sideways, and then they realize, oh, you're joking. But, you know, their first instinct is, like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? Like, why is he, why is he coming at me like that? Yeah. Whereas out here... It's, on, on the East Coast, New York, I mean, that's, that's it. You look to cut each other down. Yeah. And uh, it's funny. I mean, you, you know it's funny. It's, 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 like you said, they target your, your weakest point, and they, they attack on it. They yeah. go after it. And I think it makes you maybe stronger in a sense for sure. It also, it's crazy because if you didn't get bullied in high school, you definitely get bullied in the hardcore scene. But with oh, love. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, I mean, if you, I mean, just, I know the less, most listeners won't know, but you would know. Squirm and Ducky. Look at those two. Yeah. Those two, it's like, I mean, they, those two almost kill each other on a regular. Squirm, Squirm and Ducky work together. I know. And Squirm will be at his desk and Ducky will look and go, hey, Squirm. And he'll pick his head up and next you know, there's like thumbtacks flying at him. Oh and he'll God. just start laughing that he threw thumbtacks at, at, at his friend's face. Still, that's th- how, that's how it is. Yeah, and still That's to this day, as They're grown crazy. men too. Yeah, <laughs> grown ass men with kids. Yeah, yeah, like 50, 50 fucking years old. Yeah. So yeah. they do. So how did I meet you? What year did I meet you? Was I was I living in D.C. and I met you when you came down with somebody? Or I met you in New York. I met you through the Token Entry guys. I just started roading for them. Yeah. And you maybe had only like one or two tattoos at the time. Yeah. That's believable. Now you. Now you're just like one giant tattoo. Exactly. But back then you, back then you only had one tattoo. You had uh, dreadlocks, and uh, 
I didn't really know who you were, but you were like tight with all those guys, and I, I met you that way. I think I met you first at City Gardens, believe it or not. That makes sense. I talking at your show in talking at your show in City Gardens. Yeah. yeah. And that had to be about I'd say eighty nine. Eighty nine. And so how, how how did you how did you find this music, and how did you because you're living in Long Island? I know you have a brother. I wasn't sure if your brother was into that type of music, but how did you find punk rock and hardcore yourself? Well. Yeah, it was weird. My my brother was a classic rock guy and hated anything that wasn't classic rock, like Frank Zappa and Jimi Hendrix. And I grew up, you know, on Long Island where there was a lot of that stuff. And I remember as a kid watching Shanana. Shanana yeah. was a TV show that, that was like a doo-wop group. Yeah. And it was like a variety hour. And they had the Ramones on. And here's these guys in black leather jackets and just playing this fast fucking rock and roll. And I looked at my mom and said, I, I, I want to know about that. Who, who are these guys? Mm-hmm. My, my mom didn't know, you know, she didn't know, yeah. but I needed to know more. And then, um, I mean, I was a hip hop kid pretty much. I, I, I big hip hop, don't stop B street. era. I mean, that was my whole thing. Yeah. And I listened, I listened to all sorts of music. I mean, I grew up listening to classical music, singing classical music and everything. So if, if I liked it, that was it. But the underground thing through hip hop, I started learning about punk. Yeah. And then the punk kids at school, you know, the punk rockers at school and be like, that actually looks fucking dangerous. Like he looks cool. Like I want to know about that. Yeah. And that, that's really what it was. I was kind of like, uh, following them around. I went to, uh, the local store, record store that all the golf kids and punk kids hung out at. Yeah. And I walked in there and they, they looked at me like, what the fuck are you doing here? And I was, and I was looking at them going, what the fuck am I doing in here? <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But I tell you, the first omen was that, that I knew I was hooked in. The one kid had seven seconds painted on the, on the back of his leather jacket. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell is seven seconds? And that was it, man. That, that was, uh, I'd say that was like, uh, mid eighties, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I didn't, I didn't really know. Too much. And then I found out Ludacris, the band Ludacris from Long Island. Yeah. They were only the next town over. And one of the guys from my neighborhood played guitar, Joe Butcher. He played guitar and Oh Christ. shit! So in talking to him and, and 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 you know meeting people, yeah, I mean we used to, we used to cruise around in his van. His van didn't even have seats, but we were like little <laughs> skater kids, and, <laughs> and we used to go cruise around. And he he hey hey check this out. Or he'd make you a tape and be like, yeah, listen to these guys. Yeah, you know. And uh, another odd connection was my brother's friend. And again, my brother's a classic rock guy, but my brother's friend was a little more adventurous. Yeah. And he gave me a tape one day, and it was Suicide Tendencies. And he was like, check this out. You'll really like this. I was like, okay. As soon as I played it, I was like, these guys are fucking awesome. Damn. So yeah, I had, I had a couple of odd influences that uh, I just got, I kept going after. Yeah. You know? And uh, it, it all stemmed from the hip-hop scene. I mean, I, wouldn't, I would not have known about punk or underground music if it wasn't for hip hop and, and the underground scene there. Yeah. 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 It was, it was, it was, it, back then it was connecting. I mean, now it's, you got mumble mouth trap music and no one's connecting to anything. Yeah. But back then it was, but, yeah, uh, obviously. yeah. Cause I feel like punk, public enemy were pretty punch punk rock and they were from long Island. Right. And, um, Oh yeah. They were badass. They were badass public enemy. Like lyrically. Everything. You know, I, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I remember you always saw, when you started going to hardcore shows, you see people at hardcore shows or punk shows that you'd see it like a hip hop thing. 
Yeah. You know, and it was just, and, and then it eventually became like that whole community. I mean, that's how Stevie's was too. You know, once you start hanging out there, you met people that weren't from your neighborhood, but they were from Jersey or they were from, you know, Connecticut. And they came down for that show and you became this odd family and friends. And it's just like, yeah. Hey, you going to this? Yeah, I'll go to that. Oh yeah. I heard about that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'll meet you. I'll meet you there. So, yeah. it, you know, it, it was, it was a really cool thing that nobody else in school understood or knew about or wanted to know about. Yeah. That's what really made it cool. Yeah. So w- when you started going to shows in the city, how old were you like your first show out there? Uh, in the city. I mean, we had Sundance out on Long Island. That's that, right. That, right that track in place, too. That was, the, yeah, that was the place to go. But, uh, right track in. Yep. But, uh, TVs and, and city shows, I'd say for me, uh, like 16, 17 years old, yeah. or be like 86, 87. I was really branching out on my own, not going with anybody. Yeah. Like, fuck, you know, fuck being on Long Island because all my friends on Long Island were into drinking and doing drugs. And, I mean, it doesn't make you a bad person if that's what you're into. Yeah. But it just wasn't my path. Yeah. You know, my, my, brother was a her- my brother was a heroin addict, so I was surrounded by that in my house. Yeah. You know, and, and to see my friends start going down that same path, and I realized, hey, I don't feel better doing this or being around this. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and what, what's the point? Yeah. You know, that what, I have to look over my shoulder every time I'm, I'm out with someone or I'm doing something. So yeah. it, it didn't, uh, it didn't really register with me. Like, this is something I want to be a part of. And I just left all those guys behind. I left all my old friends in high school behind. And, uh, you know, my one friend, Benny, he was, he was deep into the hardcore thing with me. Yeah. And, uh, we would go to shows and stuff and, then eventually he went a different path with, with his life. And we just actually reconnected not too long ago. And he's just like, I can't believe you stood with it. And you got so far with your music and everything. But, you know, it, it, it was a weird thing that to have a partner from my neighborhood, from my school. And it was like one of my closest friends to branch off like that. And I was left alone. But I wasn't alone. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. made all these other friends from all these other areas. So, yeah. Hard, hardcore is really a family. It really is a community. It is, and uh, if you don't if you don't feel that in your scene, then I don't know what kind of scene it is. Then because everybody's got to look out for each other. That's what it was. And it's crazy because we all came from different backgrounds, and you came from Long Island. You have, a, you have an awesome family. Obviously, your mom and dad and your family back then. And um, my parents loved you. Yeah, yeah. yeah my parents and like, loved you. And there was super like always having people over to eat and all that stuff. And it was, it was like a home away from home because I was a transplant. Obviously, live in New York and do a lot of transplants there, but. Regardless of our homeless, yeah. everybody came to the city or whatever to the shows, and it's crazy like how 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 impactful those times were and how they stick with you your entire life, you know. Oh, totally, totally. And you know, those are sort of the best times of my life. You know, taking a train in by myself into the city and then getting on the subway, and I don't know what I'm gonna see because anytime I ever went to the city it was with my parents. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Or with a group of friends, we all took the Long Island Railroad in. And then we went to go do whatever nonsense in the city. It wasn't yeah. anything in the city part of town, like the Lower East Side. Yeah. It was never on the Lower East Side. Like yeah. you said. So, for, so for me to be roaming around down there, this dopey kid from Long Island, like trying to check shit out. Yeah, it was, it was a whole new world. And I was hooked on it. I yeah. was hooked on it bad. That was, that was, that was the bad part. Like I, I just wanted to hang out day and night, you know, and never come home. And there was all, there was all, so, I like there was an element of like, it was scary. It was dirty. It was smelly. It was, there was this p- part of being down there that wasn't good. You know, it wasn't good, but, uh, 
it was when you were there, you just felt like, I don't know, it wasn't scary once you're in it, but from an outside perspective and just maybe first time going, you're like, this is fucking crazy. What am I doing down here? Especially like CBs and just that area there too is just like super sketch. I remember getting off the off the subway and this is how I knew I wasn't in Kansas anymore, you know? <laughs> uh, I come I, I come walking down toward uh toward CBs, you know, um and there was this lady and I'm, I'm guessing she was homeless or, I don't know, maybe just on drugs. But she's standing there between two cars, and I'm just walking, you know, not thinking anything of it. I, I see her. And she squats down, and as I'm walking past, she's sitting there taking a shit, Damn. like, between two cars. Now, I got to tell you, on Long Island, that doesn't happen too often. <laughs> it really doesn't. You know, uh, yeah, it was just one of those things like, oh, she's just taking a shit just, just like that, and Pulled the pants up and off she went with her with her forty ounce, you know. Damn. And I was like, okay, this is like reality. This is like New York. Like I'm in the city by myself, and then you start wondering, like, am I gonna get killed out here? Like, what happens if yeah. shit goes goes crazy? No one knows I'm here. Yeah. So no, no phones back yeah. then. None of that shit. No, no cell phone. You cell phone. You don't have no fucking cell phone. Hell no. It's, it's crazy strange, how that worked though. too. Like just like, oh, see you at the show, and like. The next day or two, you'd be at the show, and I'm actually there. It's like no, like texting. Are you on your way? None of that shit, you know. Like, yeah, it's so. Yeah, different. it was. It was. It was. You were there because because you had to be there. Yeah. You know, you were there because it was your calling to be there. It wasn't just like something you stumbled on. Like, oh look, it's a it's a club, and there's all these crazy looking people, and you know these guys, these big guys with shaved heads, are all tattooed. <laughs> so you, you you knew why you were there. Yeah. You know, and the the each time you went, you wanted more. Yeah, it's so uh, weird, my, man. One of my first shows, one of my first shows was a token entry show, and I wore a. Uh, this is before I, I started roading for them, and I I came home, and I had a footprint going up my chest, like the toes were pointed up towards my chin, it was in the middle of my chest, oh. and yeah, and I'll never forget, you know, my, my mom's like doing laundry stuff, and she looks, and I, I'm just a kid, you know, and she yeah. goes, "What got She thought I was in a fight. I was like. It was incredible. I had blood on my shoulder, a footprint in the middle of my chest. Damn. But you were hooked on it because it was just fucking insane. It yeah. was just craziness. <laughs> craziness. Stomped, and, and you would walk on you. Yeah, I struck on my ass beat, but it wasn't. It was it was you you throwing people up so they can get up on stage and, and you were in the pit and getting knocked around and it was just it was just too fucking awesome. It really was. And so it really was. What 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 year did Black Train Jack start? Black Train Jack started out of the ruins of Token Entry. Token Entry um, would do a thing at the end of each show once Brian and I were roadieing um, where I would sing, Ernie would play guitar, Timmy would play on drums, and Brian would pick up the bass. And we would do a couple of cover songs, maybe like an Angry Samoan song or something. We'd just blast out a couple of jams, and that was it. It was like a little encore. Yeah. And then when... When Token Entry broke up officially, we sat there and we were looking at each other going, now what are we going to do? Yeah. So then we thought of doing a band called Rhythm Stick and Timmy was going to play drums, you know, <laughs> the exact lineup. And then uh, it wasn't working for him. He didn't want to be a drummer. And then he eventually moved out to California. And Ernie knew of this guy from his neighborhood, Nick. Yeah. That was from Astoria. And all the story guy who knew Walter and, and all, all that whole crew. Yeah. So like basketball in the neighborhood. He wasn't even a hardcore guy. He just knew people yeah. from the hood. And ditto, ditto from Gutter Boy and, and all those guys. So um, it was an easy transition for Nick to come into the band. 
And that's how it started. Started uh, back in in ninety. We all started talking. Ninety one, we rehearsed. Ninety two, we had our, our first record deal. Yeah, crazy, so ninety. It's crazy. Yep, that was Roadrunner, right? Roadrunner Records, yeah. Hawker, Hawker Records, yeah. wasn't it? Hawker Records. Hawker, well, we were yeah. Roadrunner. <laughs> John we Hawker. Think, Token right? Issue was on Hawker. Yeah. Uh, no, Howie Abrams. Howie Abrams. Okay, I thought Bella How- was like some guy from How- Hawker. Yeah. Um, yeah, John Bello was from, uh, he was from, um, Hawker. Okay. But, like I said, he, he dealt with token entry, but yeah. after they broke up and, uh, you know, we were just doing random shows here and there and how he picked us up and signed us to yeah, so, so for coming out, for coming out that time, it was such a different time for New York, especially the sound of black train Jack was so melodic and you know what I mean? Like, and so upbeat, obviously there was hard parts and breakdowns and stuff, but like, you guys coming out at that time was a, a a breath of fresh air. I would like to say, like for that, for your style of music, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, we had. I mean, we all had different influences through skateboarding and yeah, and just in general different music. And like I said, I wasn't a screaming guy. I love screaming hardcore music, but I was a singer. I was yeah. a singer from being a little kid. So mm-hmm. I really loved the melodic stuff and the California stuff. Me and too. Just anything that was melodic, I got into it as much as I got into the, the really hard, heavy shit. Yeah. You know, and I've, um, you know, Ernie always had a good ear for stuff. He was a great writer. And we were able to connect the two when we needed to, you know, keep it melodic and fast and yeah. punchy, but really throw down when we had to, when we had to break it down, you know? Yeah. So that, that was the philosophy. We listened to a lot of Henry Rollins at the time. So it was like uh, a certain sound and a certain feel to to the songs and yeah, just yeah, and so many influences, you know. And then again, being a positive bunch of people that we were, you had the influence from Seven Seconds, of course. Of course, you know, being a positive, uh, being a positive band, yeah, the greatest, yeah. absolutely the greatest. I agree. And um, yeah, I mean, just just overall, just keeping that energy and not be not not fitting that. That cookie cutter. I mean, a lot of bands mm-hmm. today, I think, are very cookie cutter. Yeah. And even Black Train Jack today, if we if we were to come back and come out now as a new band, we wouldn't be anything. We wouldn't be anything special at all because there's a lot of bands that that do what we did, mm-hmm. but back then there weren't. There weren't at and all. And the cool man. thing was, no. And the cool thing was, being hardcore kids playing this kind of music, we were accepted by all the all the tough guy bands and all the big mosh bands and everything mm-hmm. and the heavy bands because we used to. I think we used to say we used to cut down on the knucklehead factor. <laughs> you know, we get in there, <laughs> yeah, and it was just a change up gears. You know, you can load yeah. up a, a bill with just a bunch of heavy bands that all kind of start to sound the same after a while. But every once in a while, I mean, when I was a kid going to shows, you had different bands on the bill. You had a Malak band. Yeah, you had a, build, a, yeah. a, 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 it, it was so diverse, so diverse. Yeah. And, um, it, that that got lost there for a little bit, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But I I think it's kind of come back somewhat, you know, that I've noticed. Yeah, for sure. Um, but but we were, we were fortunate enough to to people took us under their wings and and really really embraced what we were doing. And uh, I I think I think they were happy with how the audience would get warmed up for them to come out and just yeah. slaughter everybody. <laughs> sure. You know, because that was my favorite thing. You know, I do my thing on stage and I can sit. You know, right after and just watch this other band just totally power jam everybody mm-hmm. and just bash heads in the whole time. It was, it was <laughs> awesome. It's really cool. But really I, think, cool. I, th- I think also like because of the sound, and you guys are from New York too. Like, like you said, you play with the harder bands and also melodic bands too. You guys would play with 
other bigger melodic bands that came through town. You guys did some tours with some different, some, no, I mean, not just regular hardcore bands too, because you guys had that crossover as far as melodies are concerned. Oh, yeah. The pop, pop aspect, you know? Oh, yeah. We, we, we were like New York when we played with, with All and Bad Religion. Yeah. But then, but then when you played with like a, a heavy band from New York, we were like a California band because we were melodic. Totally so we kind of, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we kind of we kind of fit in there either way. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah, it was amazing back then. Those, I mean, those two records you guys wrote were just perfectly classic records. I feel like they they should be in the um, yeah. the hardcore history, obviously of the classics. You know, of of uh, discography of New York. You know what I mean? For that time and that period, I feel like you, you guys were ahead of the you guys were ahead of the game with your sound in that time frame for New York because everything was you said it was just super chugga chugga, super tough. And um, yeah, I love that. And that's why I connected to you guys too. The lyrics, everything, the melodies, I always love melodies myself. And um, but Black Train Jack, I feel like, you know, um, you guys did some, did you guys go overseas too and did some more tours too? Yeah, we, yeah, we did Europe. We, 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 we went all over. Yeah, we, we, we tried. We tried as best we could. You know, I, uh, I, I could stay out all year round. But some of the other guys weren't into that kind of touring schedule. But, uh, you know, I, I just love being out there performing, seeing the people. And, you know, what my biggest thrill was seeing words that you wrote being sung back at you. Yeah, dude. And, yeah. and the effect that you have on people where, you know, I remember being that kid in the crowd going, oh, my God, there's this guy from that band. You know, and, yeah. and you're like almost intimidated. And that's the other thing about hardcore was, the band was right there. They were accessible. They weren't yeah. like rock stars. And all of a sudden, Hey, they appear on stage. Like you were there and, and they were standing next to you sometimes in the pit yeah. or, you know, whatever. And, and you could go up and talk to them. That was, that was cool. And I always liked that as a fan. So yeah. when I was in a band, I was trying to make myself accessible also. And just seeing kids reactions and stuff like that, or, or, or some of that, you know, had a story to share based on something that you wrote. I mean, that was the biggest part of it that really, uh, really kept me going with a lot of it. And yeah. I, like I said, I, I could stay on the road. I was a road dog, man. I, I love being on the road. I could stay out there constantly. Yeah. But you know, it, it, you can't, you can't have everybody thinking the same way. I mean, it's in a perfect world. Yeah. You could do that, but some guys get tired of it. Some guys didn't like being on the road and yeah, you know, they just like playing shows locally sometimes. And locally is cool too. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's just different cultures and just seeing how they, how different people react. Kind of like a sociology experiment. You know what I mean? Just, yeah. uh, and you guys, just to you see guys, how this different culture, mm-hmm. how this different culture miles and thousands of miles away reacted to the same, same way someone from, you know, your same city would react. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, 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 to see the effect of the music and awesome. how it, how it trans, transcends the different cultures and stuff. Yeah, it's... Especially yeah. when the shit wasn't on the know, radio or nothing. It was just straight up underground. Just people still got it and connected to it. I love that. And that's the other thing. It. It's not on the radio. Yeah. It's not on the radio. This stuff isn't on commercial radio. It was on college radio if you were lucky. Yeah. Otherwise, it was word of mouth or a lyric sheet. You know, thanks on, on a lyric sheet. And yep. people would <laughs> try to find your music. Yeah. And there was no internet. So it wasn't, wasn't like you were Googling who is this band, you know, like 100%. you could do today. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, again, if you want to know about that band, you you did your work, you know. You yeah. put your work in, and you you found them, and 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 you made it your own. Yeah, I love that. I, love I mean, you look at you, you. You're traveling all around the world, H two O, and I get I get fans that hit me up 
you know, that you were in their town. Yeah, that's that, crazy. Because I'm friends with you. You know what yeah, I mean? It's yeah. just like, that's awesome. Yeah. I love to see my friends move forward and prosper and, and do all that great stuff and spread the word, spread the message. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not just a hardcore message, but, but a good positive message. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's what you guys are all about. Yeah. But to see, to see that going in these, these places that you'd never dream of playing this underground music that was still to, to today, it's, 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 it's like, it's underrated. It's not noticed. Yeah, it's you know, crazy. as, as big as we think it's gotten, mm-hmm. it's it's still unnoticed. It's still our private thing, still kind of. It's crazy because people think, oh, punk rock, it's huge. It was on the radio, it was on MTV, all those all those other bands that blew up and get really big. Yeah, they did for them, but there's still there's still a bunch of us who never, you know, obviously their sales and their success helped us tremendously in punk rock and hardcore. All the success of those bands that I love that actually had that had that success and sold those records or on TV and all that stuff. It only helped trickle down to us. But yeah, it was still underground. It's still like when you try to explain it, a fucking flight attendant in 2019 on a flight, you're going to Europe, <laughs> what, kind of music, what kind of music you play and what your bands call it. Oh, I never heard of you. Cool, you don't have to, but we're going to play shows to people who actually yeah, heard of us. That's okay. You know what I mean? It's that's like, okay. I'm, I'm flying to Japan right now. You don't have to know. It's so, it's, <laughs> so cra- it's crazy, it. like trying to explain that shit and as an adult and all that. And just, but I, what I liked about you guys too and you, you've always been. Um, working class, you always held the job down. Even when you were doing music and stuff, you always maintained that. I thought that was amazing, man, because some of us didn't have plan Bs. You know what I mean? You 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 were doing music, yeah. but also had you had a real shit with like a four one k retirement plan, all that shit, which is amazing. Yeah, I did school, and then uh, they they gave me an ultimatum on the second album. <laughs> so yeah. you either go tour full time, or so I was like, all right, so we'll go go tour full time. So I pulled myself out of school. Wow. And then, uh, yeah, you know, over time, just end up getting a job and playing it that way. You know, you have, you always have to have a, a plan B. Yeah. And I've, I've always, I've always been envious of the people without a plan B. Yeah. Because I think that, I think that they've gone further than I ever would have. Mm-hmm. Um, well, not that I would have, I, I, I'm pretty sure if I was still doing, I, I'd be doing pretty good, but, um, they, they went full force and never look back because there was nothing to look back at. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm at ground zero. Here's where we go. Whereas if you, ha- if you have a career or you have that education behind you, oh, I, I have something I can fall back on. Yeah. When you have no safety net and nothing to fall back on, you're going to put your, your thousand ten percent into it. hundred percent. You know what I mean? And 100%. yeah, and that's it. And that's how I've always done music since I was a kid was, was to give everything I, I had to it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's why I, I did have the education. I did, you know, have a, a regular job. But at the same time, I, I give all that up to be out there mm-hmm. and doing, you know, like what you guys do and stuff like yeah. that. Because it, it, it's, it's the message. It's, it's the message. It's the, love of, it's the love of the music and the love of the performance. Yeah. You know, that's always been my thing since I was a kid. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I, I played it safe at one point. I, I, I didn't want to. I got tired of taking the gamble. I got tired of different rejections when I did Nine Lives. And, and that was it. So I, I played it safe, and I got the the career going and everything. And I, now I get, I could do shows, and I can have my my paycheck and my benefits too. Yeah, it's amazing. That's what, that's exactly <laughs> what Anthony said too about playing it safe. Anthony Cominelli, I just talked to him exactly what you said too. Um, and he's and he's, yeah, he's happy I, for all of his friends and still doing it and all that. Yeah, it's exactly what you said, and I respect that for sure. It's it wasn't an easy choice, believe me. It's something I regret every day because I've missed, I missed being out there with the people. Yeah. I missed the lifestyle, but, yeah. uh, you know, at the same time I'm, I'm older and 
I just, I didn't have the momentum like everybody else continued on having. So mm-hmm. I had, I had to choose my plan B. I had to make my plan B work. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. And you still, I used to work on Not music. Not my first choice. You working on music now still? Yeah. Yeah. We've got nine lives back together awesome. and we have a bunch, we have a bunch of new songs and stuff that we're going to start working on and That's hopefully amazing. get uh, some recording done soon. And yeah, we had uh, Richie left our drummer. So we had to replace him. Yeah. And Brian was away with work, yep. uh, working in another country. So that kind of made things a little tough to have fill these voids and stuff. But, uh, there are new songs and, and, you know, we're just working slowly on them and hopefully going to get everything together. That's awesome. Soon. That's great, dear. Cause I, yeah, knew, man, I knew you love it. I never I quit. It. Yeah. I know you love it and, and, and that's your passion and you kill it when you perform and it makes me happy because music makes you happy. You know what I mean? Like, and you have a, you have a great voice and, I don't know. I just exactly what you said. Like you definitely, you know, you you love this. You you live this still. You know, still this straight edge kid. We're all well, we're all big kids, even though we're adults. With with, with like, either got mortgages to pay or children or regular shit happening yeah. too. It's like we're all we're all big kids who still have this in us. You know. It's funny. I I look at people that are, excuse me. Uh, I look at people that are our age, uh, that are in you know normal life, so to speak, yeah. and they look they look at least 10 years older than the rest of us. Yeah. And why is that? Cause we, we've stayed youthful. We've stayed, uh, like kids in, yeah. in a way, you know, kids with grown up problems. That's what, that's what I like to say that we are because <laughs> we still have that spirit. Yeah. You know, we still have that spirit and, uh, I don't think that'll ever die. No. And, um, I, I, I hope, I hope people really embrace that risky side of life and take the chances that they want to take and enjoy each move that they make, whether it's good or bad, because it's a learning lesson. Yeah. And there are people that just played safe their whole lives. And like I said, they look a lot older than we do. And some of them are, some of them are, are, are younger than us. Yeah. It's like, wow, you, you're just like dead. Like you never lived. You never experienced anything. You never, you know, you never had any risk or, or danger. Or you anything. never left your town. You never, you never went on an airplane, you never to a different country. You never left your town. How do you not leave your town? It's ever? interesting, man. You know, no, ju- no judgment. They yeah. leave the town. That's good. But, it's, it's, it's such a big world out there to see and like to be able to do that. It's, I don't know. I think everybody would, would be different open-minded people if they'd left their towns, you know? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. It's just, it's a tough thing for, for some people to do, Yeah, you know? And, um, I, I, I have no regrets or anything I ever did. I would say I could die tomorrow and be fine and not have any regrets. That's awesome. And as far as doing music, I'll always do music. I, I have a broken hip right now. I'm waiting to get surgery. Oh, wow. And I'm still looking to play shows. Yeah, I can't run around. I can't jump. I can't do this, you know? Holy shit. But uh, I'm in a lot of pain constantly, but I'll go out there tomorrow and do a show I if I could. I love that about <laughs> you. Know, you. You've always had, that, you always had that fire in you no matter what, with the highs and lows of your music career. You know what I mean? You always never stop making I love music. it, man. Yeah, and going to, you always go to yeah, shows. You're I always supportive it. of us and all your friends' bands, and I appreciate that for sure. Totally. Totally. I, I try. I try to do the best I can. Sometimes I gotta lay low because of how I'm feeling. But uh, I'm always, I'm always there for my friends. I'm always there to support somebody. You know, and yeah. that's that's the that's the thing because everybody's out there doing it. Yeah. It's not it's not a regular career, a nine to five job. Like this is without the support of people that they know and the fans. What do they have? Yeah. You know. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. The cover all, bands. Yeah, it's crazy. That like bar all... bands and cover bands. Yeah. Bar bands and cover bands. I'm sorry, overstepping, but bar bands and cover bands. I never understood that because you're gonna play three hours of someone else's songs. Like, what do you get out of it? Okay, you're talented. You can play and learn someone else's songs, but 
what are you saying with, with your music? Mm-hmm. I mean, does every song have to have a message to it? No, but in our scene, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. And that's why we do it. You know, yeah. you do it to get that message out there and to inspire people or to, to show people how you were affected by someone. That maybe someone goes, shit, you know what? I, I, I fell down a hole because of that. And you know what? I, I can get back up or I, or yeah. I, you know what? That, that's right. I dodged that bullet. And, you know, this, this guy understands where, where, where it's coming from. That's, yeah. that's why I love doing it. You know, that in the performance aspect, I've always loved performing, but to get that word out there, man. And, and, and like you guys are doing it still. And this, I mean, look at Jimmy Gestapo. He, he just, he just throws people out of the band and gets new people. And he's still out to turn it out. I mean, well, he's one of the greatest frontman ever. He's one of the greatest frontman performer ever, ever. Incredible! I watched him turn an arena show, that Misfits show in, in New Jersey. It was an arena show, and he he wasn't even on that that giant stage. He was down in in the very front of the crowd and made this huge nineteen thousand people. Know, it's a little heard. private show, right? There. It was phenomenal. Make an intimate. He setting. works it. He just yeah yeah he works it. Siv Siv's another guy. You put Siv. Microphone in hand and just throw him out there, and he's 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 gonna crush it. Yeah, hundred percent. Just in his spiel between the songs alone. Yeah, you know, and that's 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 the craft behind it because they're speaking from the passion of it. Mm-hmm. You know, you do the same thing. You get out there and kids kids buy into everything you say because you're coming from the heart mm-hmm. and you, you're saying like really sincere shit. Yeah. That maybe they're not they don't get that at home. Maybe yeah. they're, they're guys and poops at home or in their school or whatever. Yeah. You know, and they hear someone that, that they look up to that's relating to them or talking to them and not down at them. Yeah. You know, and it's spreading some knowledge or, or some, and, and like, uh, some inspiration to them that they, that they don't get from anywhere else. Yeah, I agree. And that's, that's what I think a lot of people just lose sight of that. That's uh, just the thing on the show. Nah, you gotta realize all those people that come to see you, they're there for a reason. Yeah, the songs are good, but there's something that, that connects to them and you're connecting with them. And it might be the you know first I mean? time, and, and, it might be the first time at a show or first time seeing you. You never know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I was working, I lost my job in the school district to some student and I had to get a crappy job that I, I ended up working for the IRS. And oh, wow. uh, I was there and this girl used to wear an H2O shirt like every other day. At <laughs> the IRS? And one day I caught her in the whole week. Yeah. So one day I caught her in the hallway and I said, Can I big Asian man? And she looks she goes, Yeah, like I had ten men. I'm all tattooed. You know, I I when she wears a t shirt, I look like a skater kid and everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I'm 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 talking about the shirt you wear. Like obviously I know who they are, you know, I've heard of them. And I said, Oh, they're really good, huh? And she's like, Yeah. Like, okay, you, you don't get it. Like you're part of a community. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, I don't know how she, how she knows of you because just her whole approach was like, yeah, and like, okay, <laughs> well, I, like you, you, you missed it, I guess. I, I guess you're just into a couple of songs, maybe you're not really into the whole scene, and maybe it's just the one band you're into. I don't, oh, I don't wow. know. Yeah, so every time I try to talk to her, you know, about you know, the hardcore or any other band, she's like, she's just like, why are you talking to me? I'm like, all right, never mind. I'm only talking about, about hardcore bands, you know? So it's just weird in this atmosphere to find somebody who's like-minded, you know? You yeah, know, for sure. Some of the same stuff you would, you know? You want to talk Dave Matthews? I'll talk Dave Matthews. I don't like Dave Matthews. <laughs> I'm the, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm hardcore so, music. That's crazy. Somebody with H2O, I'm sure it works at the IRS, so I hope they listen. They can 
Oh he's yeah. Ta- they still think it was oh, a tax yeah. break next year. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Hey mama, Rob, yeah, Rob saying when we worked at the IRS, it was a girl that wore H2O shirt all the time. It was the IRS. Um, when was walking. I couldn't um, wait to get out of that job. Everybody I'm sure, man. How many years were you there for the IRS? I'm there for a year. Oh, wow. I was there for a year. And then uh, I got hired back in my old job again. <laughs> wow. Thank God. Yeah, I was there for a year. I mean, you want to talk about uninspiring and just everything sucked. I can't imagine where the IRS, it seems like they're robots when they talk to you on the phone in the first place. Robots, dude. That's all. And, and you have to speak like a robot. That's another thing. They train you. So I used to always get in trouble because I can't do that too well. I don't, I don't, you know, not that I want to follow rules, but yeah. I, I can't do that. I'm, I was too personable. And they say, you were doing good until this point. And they review your call. Damn. I don't know if you know that. They, no. they tape everything that, that you do and they put cameras on you. So they would do these weekly reviews and they'd say, well, you had a call on this date. Tell me what you did wrong here. And you go through the procedures and they go, here, you did good until you said this. Holy and you're just shit. like, yeah, you, you, ha- you have a good day. It was too human. Hey, man, you have a good day. I'm glad I can help you. <laughs> yeah. You can't say things like that. It's fucking crazy, You can't say man. things like that. Like, like, seriously? You can't be a human to someone? Fuck wow. you. Fuck this place. Yeah, dead zombies walking around. Fuck that place. That's crazy. But, uh, um... Yeah, so I'm, I'm back, where, back where I can be creative again and use my mind. That's time. awesome. And you've been the same that job for a long time. That's union, right? Uh, yeah, I, I've been there. Well, I've been in that industry for 22 years, believe wow. it or not. And uh, I've been at the school district now for like six years, seven years, six years. Awesome. I've been there. Amazing, yeah. Man. So, yeah, it's good times. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, are you are you in Long Island still now, or back are you in the city? Um, no, I'm back on Long Island. Nice. Uh, my dad, as my my dad passed, I uh, moved back out there to help mom. Nice. Keep an eye on her and stuff like that. And, yeah. I mean, I, I got to bust a hip, and I'm falling apart. So there's not, not really too much I could do. But yeah, it's just the fact that I'm there and I can support her. And, and yeah, she's, it's great. Uh, it's awesome. She's she always a tight to. family. There's always you have a tight, fucking tight Italian family, man. It's always been like that for you. I love that. I admired that. Actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know that that was that was one of the things when my dad passed to see how many people from the hardcore scene showed up at at the wake. Wow. You know? yeah. yeah, just out of respect, it was just like you know my parents went to all my shows in New York. Yeah, I remember that. And yeah. and uh, and they never looked down at my friends. They never passed judgment. Yeah. They never said, "Look at these idiots," you know, and and. and they, they were never like that. My parents were very supportive of, of what I did, the music scene. And even my dad, my dad, um, he was in the Army Reserves and he had to go to Panama and they found a, a punk show at, down there at one of the bars. So after hours, they went down to the show. My dad was talking to a kid wearing a bad red shirt. He was telling me, <laughs> he used to always tell me the story. And the kid was looking at him going, like, how do you know who the Bavarians are? You're Americans. You're an old American from the military. Like, how do you know? It was my son. My son knows the Bavarians. And, and oh, yeah, I, I know all those bands and stuff. And the guys, the guys my dad was with, like, who, who are these people you, you're talking about? Like, what? It's like, oh, my, my kid. You'd be amazed. These kids, they look crazy, but they're, they're really good kids. A lot of them don't even do drugs. And they're, they're really good. They just, they just you know, got to find a home, the right, right place for them. And they, they, they flock here to this music scene. I'm telling you, I learned a lot from my, uh, and, you know, from my dad, who's like, 
uber old school Italian Ginzo super conservative guy mm-hmm. to embrace a lot of the people that that I walked through that front door, and I my mom's that, the dude. same way. Love that. Yeah, they they were they were cool, and um, they they still my mom my mom would go right down to the pit if there was a show going on, so she could <laughs> see right down in front. <laughs> Oh, she was crazy. She was crazy. That's amazing. Like, Why? I'm trying to see. I gotta see. I gotta see the show. And people were like, Mrs. Vitaly, you can't be there. You're like, ah, leave me alone. I'm okay. Oh yeah, yeah. They were crazy. They were, they were all about it. But they supported my friends. They yeah. supported what Love we were that. doing because she knew. She knew we weren't doing anything fucking wrong. Yeah. You know that we were doing the right thing, and uh, I I think they were just happy that I found my niche. And I was surrounded by like-minded people that were, you know, into doing good things. Creative shit. Yeah. Man, and that's awesome. It, yeah. Yeah. And uh, like I said, when my dad passed, just to see people that showed up or sent letters or, or flowers and stuff, it was completely mind-blowing because to realize that that person made an impact on people in a hardcore scene that, that meet thousands of people all the time. Yeah. You know? So that, that was, that was that. such tremendous for me. Yeah, oh, that's amazing. And you know, a lot of people, a lot of people are asking about some like broken homes or, you know, bad, you know, home situations and stuff. And I didn't have that growing up. The only, the only disruption was my brother. You yeah. know, yeah. so I didn't really, I didn't really have the bad situation. Home life with my parents and fuck you, mom, fuck you, dad. You know, or yeah. you know, dad was living with his girlfriend someplace else. I didn't have that. So mm-hmm. again, to, to be a different type of misfit coming into that scene of, of, of broken people. I mean, I had my, I had my own dysfunctions, you know what I mean? That, yep. that I was able to mold into, into that realm. And, uh, I, I, I don't envy anybody that's stuck on the outside and has no place to go. You know, it's, it's really tough. And I was fortunate to find a hardcore scene and a hardcore family and, and, and all that stuff and, and be welcomed in with open arms. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when I see judgmental people in the hardcore scene that, that, that like to push people away. It's like you missed the whole idea of what the whole, the whole point, thing dude. was about. Exactly. Whole point. You missed the whole fucking you point. Never read you any of the lyrics or nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. It's, it's bigger than mosh parts. Yeah. Hardcore is more than mosh parts. Yeah. It is. It's true. It is more than kung fu fighting and mosh parts. It is. It is, dude. It was always for me and you, and always a lot of our fans. It was music and the message, man, for sure. I was just going to say, you know, the famous quote, music is the message. Yeah, That's, man. It, it is. I mean, every song has something has something to do with something. Yeah. You know, it's not just nonsense. And I think that's why we connected, too, because it wasn't something you get a message like that from the radio or Top 40 at that time. It's, it was a different message. It was a message that connected with you. Maybe it was a message you weren't getting at home when you connected to it through the hardcore punk. And those people are like Yimakai and Kevin Seconds and... Um, or like father figures, Milo, all these people, like they seem so much older than us too at the time because they would, we put them on this pedestal, yeah. like these massive inspirational dudes. But now looking, now knowing that they're our friends now in real life and they're not much older than us, but back then it was like looking up to them, like I connected with them so much, you know? Yeah, to me, they were, they were like the wise wizards. Yeah. You know, they, they were so much older and they had so much, so many profound things to say. And, yeah. and, then, like you said, as you get older and you become friends with these people, you go, oh, they're only a couple years older than me. They're it's crazy. Two, dude. three years older than me. It's crazy. But, I mean, just just the things they have to say and, and based on life experience. I mean, talk to Roger from Gnostic Front. He yeah. has some crazy fucking stories. John Joe has some crazy stories. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. <laughs> some crazy stories. All these guys you're friends with and you, 
you get on the inside and you get to hear these things. You go, how the fuck did you survive that? Yes. Or you go, now I know why you are the way you are. Exactly. <laughs> you know? It all makes sense now. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it all makes sense. And, and then you then you have, like, not to not trap, you know, trap music and stuff, but you have these other guys, it, it's just style and profile. They, they, mm-hmm. don't, they don't really have much substance. They have nothing to say. Of course. And it's all just, it's all just flash, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I, I never bought into stuff like that. I I I like what Kevin had to say. I like what Ian had to say. Yeah. Roger had to say. And all these guys. I I was always influenced by their words and sit with the lyric sheets and be like, what does he mean by this? And the more you get into it, go, oh, okay, I, I get this. I get yeah. I get what's going on here. You know, I don't know mm-hmm. if kids do that today. Well, do we have lyric really sheets? Sorry, get lyric sheets off of iTunes, but it's not really lyric sheets they get, but. There's a bunch of hardcore story and young kids out there, new bands killing yeah. it, and those kids have respect for the old school and they know the roots of it and the history of it. As far as punk and hardcore yeah, is concerned, yeah, but I'm not sure about, about any know, other genres, still, you know. There's, there's still there still are a few really uh, new bands out there that, that surprise you. Yeah, you know, and you go, "Wow, these these guys are on fire!" Like they they believe what they're saying and they get it. Yeah, you know, sure. they're not just they're not just saying words and you know, looking tough for, yeah. you know, here, here comes big mosh part again, you know, mm-hmm. like they actually have something to say. They're, they're, they're on fire, man. There's, there's still some, some spirit out there. Yeah. Sure. Youth still alive, man. Totally. Always will be. Well, thank you for being, uh, being on the podcast. Thank you for everything you contributed to music and inspirations in my life. And those early times meeting you and hanging out, all that stuff with our token entry necklaces, our black train jack necklaces, all that, man, all that, all those memories are important to me. And, you know, I came to New York as a transplant, met all you guys, and was part of the family after that. And so uh, it's awesome. We're all around still, and we're doing our shit, and we're all still connected, you know? Well, thank you. It was my pleasure being on this. It was my honor to be asked to be on this. And I, I got to tell you, I, the same words back to you. I mean, I've, I've known you forever. We've had our ups and downs like anybody else. That, that's what family does. But yeah. I got to tell you, man, just you just keep reaching for it. You just keep striving and just keep reaching for it. I don't think I don't think you'll ever be stopped. Thank I really, you, and I hope that you never get stopped. Thank you. All man. right. Thank you, brother. Great talking to you, brother. Right, Thank brother. you, man. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> you be good. You too, brother. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Um, please rate, review, uh, subscribe if you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast. Please do that. And whatever platform you are listening to this on, I'm glad you found me. You can rate me and review me on there also. So thank you guys sincerely for the support. I cannot wait for you guys to the next one.